Hello, my friends. So excited to have you here. Today, I am chatting with Michael Tubbs, who is the youngest mayor ever, Stockton, California. He's written a very interesting book, and we immediately bonded over some of our own educational experiences as children, being the child that always annoyed their teachers. (laughs) But this is so much more than that. Let's dive into my conversation with Michael Tubbs. I'm Sharon McMahon. And welcome to the Sharon Says So podcast. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to chat today and I'm excited to have everybody dive into your book because I think they're really going to enjoy reading it. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm a total history government nerd. That was always my favorite subject in class. <laughs> like I would oh, read yes. the history books like before, like the whole book before this first quarter was over just so I know <laughs> what's back. coming. What happens in 1850? I got to yeah. know now. <laughs> well, tell everybody what you do. If they're not familiar with you yet, tell hmm. everybody, give us a little introduction into who you are and what you do. And then we can talk more about your story. Yeah. My name is Michael Tubbs. I'm the former mayor of my hometown, Stockton, California. Before that, I was on city council and I was a teacher. So interesting. And your, your book, is called The Deeper the Roots, and the subtitle is A Memoir of Hope and Home. And I would love to know why you called it that. For me, it really signifies the idea, and I think it's a motif in the book, about being grounded in a place and being rooted in a place and being planted in a place and how that leads to all type of interesting fruit and experiences. I wanted folks to really understand it was, it was a, a memoir focused on this idea of hope and home and really dealing with notions of what, what home means and home as a site mm-hmm. of a lot of love, but also a lot of pain and just the complexity of this notion of home. I would love to hear from you more. Give us a little bit of the trajectory of your life. What was, first of all, starting with your childhood? I love how you describe your own birth in the book. <laughs> Well, well, it's funny, but my family forever, they myth, they, there's such mythology in my family. Yeah. And one yeah. of the mythologies are the sense of my birth. It's weird writing it, but I even have to go back and check with my mom because like, I've heard this story so many times. So to answer your question, born and raised in, in Stockton, my mom was a high schooler. She was a teenager when she had me, as was my father. But I was so blessed with love from my mom, my aunt and grandmother. And now as a parent, I realized that they literally just gave up their lives. And were like, you know what? My sole focus is on these children, me and my mm-hmm. cousins. And I, I, I did not appreciate that. I thought that's what they're supposed to do. But I realized they literally went above and beyond and just made us their life. <laughs> like This is what we do all day, every day. So I grew up in, in Stockton and, and actually in some of the parts I later ended up representing as a council member and mayor. And loved school. Loved school, but school all, sometimes didn't love me. I was passionate. I was inquisitive. I would challenge all those questions. I would oftentimes get kicked out of class. Like literally, there was one year where I spent more time in the hallway than in the classroom. <laughs> it was just like taking notes and, and learning from the hallway. And then I was lucky enough my senior year to get a um, scholarship to Stanford. And that just changed my world. It made the world so big because Stockton was great, but it was also very insular. Um, I, I loved my childhood, but poverty's not fun, right? So. Mm-hmm being in a place of so much abundance and also realizing that my classmates were smart, but they weren't smarter than me. And I went thinking everybody was going to be smarter than me and I was going to be lucky to graduate. And I was like, they're smart, but I'm smart too. And that was such revelation. And then also realizing that 
the big difference between sort of a lot of my friends and people I grew up with and my classmates at Stanford was really not talent or intellect. It was really like resources and opportunities and sort of investments made in them. So longer story short, I ended up um, interning in the White House um, for President Barack Obama, working with mayors and councils, and I hated it. I hated it. And <laughs> but it was like a precursor. And I was just learning all these things mayors were doing, but I just did not, and I did it because it was a White House, but it wasn't my first pick. Longer story short, the same, same time, one of my cousins, Daniel James II, ended up being a victim of a homicide in Stockton. So it was like this juxtaposition, like, I'm, I'm wow, I'm at Stanford, I'm in the White House, and wow, like my family's like literally dying. And what am I doing to actually help with that? Which caused me to run for city council my senior year in college. So then I ran for city council. The city had declared bankruptcy. It was a crazy time to run. Ended up winning, which was even crazier. So then I spent the first half of my 20s on city council and teaching, which was just the most exhausting combination of jobs. I would not recommend <laughs> pick one, doing both. And then after four years of that, I decided to run for mayor. So spent the last four years as, as mayor of the city of Stockton, and all before 30 years old. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. love to chat a little bit more about your school experiences because first of all I am a former teacher as well and I also recognized a little bit of myself in you in that I had a real real smart mouth some of my teachers didn't like me and I would get into trouble for asking too many questions and I would get into trouble for working ahead you know, where, and then I would try to bring up stuff that was going to come down the road and the teacher would be like, we will get to that. 
We're not talking about that yet. You know, like one step at a time, but then I would get bored and I, you know, I'm sure you're quite familiar. Oh, no, no. I'm like, did you like, were you just, were you my classmate? Like, were we, were we guest partners? Were you we the probably would have been. You, so you were probably reading the book and like, oh my gosh, like, this is my twin. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. I recognize so much of myself in you as in school. But one of the things I really admired about you when I was reading this book is that even though you had some teachers who were like, I don't know what to do with this child. We're going to have a meeting because his attitude is terrible. He needs to fix it. Even though you were challenging to some teachers because you were disrupting the social order, right? You were disrupting the norm of how students were supposed to be acting in class. you always had great grades, but you were always so interested in student leadership, government leadership. And meanwhile, you, you rejected the leadership of the teacher in that classroom. I remember in eighth grade, we had to do a project to describe ourselves. And I said, I'm a rebel without a cause. Like, I think I've always just been like, went to lead the insurgency. <laughs> I went to lead like against the establishment, like when to, to be part of leadership against sort of the- The, the establishment. The establishment, yeah. And I, it's funny because it's like a juxtaposition. But, mm-hmm. but I would also say if like folks, some of my teachers who had a if the authority was legitimate in my eyes, yes. I was okay with it. <laughs> I 100% relate to that. I reject your illegitimate authority 100% of the time. Do not try to tell me what to do. If I do not accept <laughs> your position of authority over me. And the title is not enough. Like you being a teacher does not mean authority. No. Like, for me, it's like, show me you, show Turn me. It. Turn and then it. Once, you, once, once you have me in, I'm your best soldier. What was it that made you so interested in leadership? What was it that you were like, you know, the path for me is in government leadership? I think it comes a lot from growing up in the church. And I think just from the time I was seven years old, being called upon to go up and speak or to explain this or to be on the youth leadership team and sort of hearing pastors and people always say, you're going to be a leader. You're like, I think it was so ingrained that this, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do because mm-hmm. authority I found legitimate has said, Michael, like, I remember sometimes a pastor would just be preaching and be like, Michael, stand up. You're going to be a leader. And I'm like, okay, I get, <laughs> I guess. Right. So I think that's, that's part of it. And I've always been obsessed. Like even when we played sports, I was always, a ca- even if I wasn't good at the sport, like I wasn't that great at football. But I was always first captain. It's like I pick a team. I could I could make mm-hmm. I could get a team together. We would win. And just being in groups of people and helping organize towards a goal is something I've, I've like have enjoyed doing my my whole entire life. And, I, and as I got older, a lot of the books I would read like in high school were like leadership books. Like I was reading like John Maxwell in ninth grade, like the twenty one laws of leadership and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then in terms of government piece, that just came from realizing that the people making decisions weren't different than any other people. They were selected, which sounds very basic, but I thought there was something special. And then I was in high school and city council meetings, or even at the White House, I was like, no, government's people. <laughs> They're just normal people who say, you know, I would spend time on this. And lastly, I think I, I realized in college, like government is ultimate scale. That so many of my classmates were doing like startups and doing like social entrepreneurship, which was all cool. And I was like, well, that's great for like the hundred people you're working with or the thousand people you're serving. But if you want to touch everyone, that's government. If you want to touch everyone, and particularly those who need 
those who are the most marginalized or those who are, are the most on, on the margins, like government has to work. That's such an interesting point too, that government, if you want to impact everyone, government is one of the ways to do that. But your small business is fantastic. I support that. If that's your dream, I love it. But you only have a finite number of clients. You don't have the capacity to impact everybody, but government does. And I think I've always been obsessed with that and also obsessed with like, well, well, if, if rules or laws or policies that government's made has created so much harm, why can't we just make different rules? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why, why, like, like, like if there's a process in place, why right. not use the process to create the outcomes we, we want to see? It's such a simple but powerful question. We already have the process in place. Why can't we use it? <laughs> like, and, what? Explain why. And literally, that's my question. I'm like, I mean, why I, can't like, we use it? When I was mayor, people get annoyed with me because I would say, they're like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, so can, can we change? Like, where does it say we can't change that? Mm-hmm. Or, or they would get really upset when I would say, what will it take to change that? Mm-hmm. Don't tell me how difficult this is. Tell me, is it possible to change it? It's like, no, I'm like, oh, it takes three votes of my colleagues to change that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll be back with three votes. <laughs> and like, but it's really, I think, part of the inertia we see and part of the frustration people have is that it's just, it's like, why isn't government working? It's like, I don't think the process of government is broken. I think the people operating in government are, are in many ways broken. The process is the same. Like, here's the idea. Here's my bill. Let's <laughs> vote for it. Yes or no. That remains unchanged. <laughs> what has changed is the people who are arguing about it. And and in many cases, especially at the national level, just not even voting on anything. Yeah. Oh, like not even discussing it. And I think that's why local government is so exciting because, I mean, when I was mayor, I had four Republicans and two Democrats. So mm-hmm. everything had to be a discussion. Everything I had to get consensus. Everything was a debate and, and it, was, you know, it must be slow and get on my nerves, but we were doing things. We were trying to solve problems, right? And at the national level, it just feels like it's theatrical. It feels like it's just not about the people, but about some weird game, some game of power. And I think that's what also turns people off. And that nihilism further renders the system ineffective because we keep, elevating and electing the same type of people (laughs) or people just turn off and say, you know, it doesn't matter, even though it it actually does matter. It it seems like, especially at the national level, so much of what is happening, particularly in Congress is designed to feed their fundraising machine. And they know they can raise money when they have these super inflammatory sound bites that rile up their base. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We've all had those embarrassing moments where maybe you've taken your shoes off and you realize like, oh no, oh no, that is not 
a good smell. Fortunately, Lumi whole body deodorant is making it so none of us ever have to worry about that again. Unlike certain other products, Lumi is powered by mandelic acid to control odor in a new way. It delivers outrageous 72-hour odor control everywhere one might like to use it. In fact, it was patients' concerns about odor that originally inspired the OBGYN who invented Lumi. Fast forward six years and her game-changing whole body deodorant now has over 300,000 five-star reviews. And it works without using heavy perfumes that mask odor, which I really appreciate. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, which is my favorite, and two free products of your choice, like deodorant wipes or a mini body wash. It also has free shipping. And as a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that's like 40% off their starter pack. So use code SHARON at lumideodorant.com. That's L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Mother's Day is almost here. And I want to take just a quick second to appreciate not only my mom, all the moms out there, but anyone who has taken on the role of caregiver. You do everything for someone else. And now it's time to do something for yourself. And that includes starting with your skin. And I've been using our sponsor OneSkin's products for a while now. And I have to tell you, I am really enjoying them. They are very easy to incorporate into my skincare routine. I am really liking the eye cream. And the secret is OneSkin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It is the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin, and they have several studies to back it up. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code SHARON at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code SHARON. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support this show and tell them we sent you. Part of the reason why I wanted to write the book was to like, not inspire, but like show people like you could actually do things in government that we actually need people to think about like public service, run for school board, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. be a planning commissioner. Like there's ways to be involved. There's ways to sort of be engaged in the process without beyond posting on next door. Like you, you actually... <laughs> no, there's not. That's the <laughs> maximum level. <laughs> I would love to hear more about your campaign for city council what was the reason that you decided to do it and what was that like yeah it so it started after my cousin was murdered and going back to the funeral and feeling really guilty and saying you know what I gotta find a way to help Stockton and I felt so at peace in like this gym in a community meeting trying to figure out how we're gonna do about violence and it felt like it felt like alignment but I was like, I'm not, I'm like, that's crazy. I'm 21 years old. There's no way I could go on city council. And finally I said, you know what? 
I have to run for city council. And part of the feeling was that the signs, the alignment, everything felt so right. I was scared what would happen to me if I didn't do it. And I also thought that, hey, well, you know what? I'll do it. And if I lose, I can say I did it. And I don't feel, I won't have any guilt. I won't feel like I forgot about my city. And then I decided in January to run for city council. And I mean, everybody was just like, what? Like, it was just so like shocking. <laughs> I was like, wait, city council? Because at the time I ran, Stockton had just declared bankruptcy. Stockton had more murders per capita in Chicago. It wasn't, it wasn't like the opportune time for a 21-year-old to learn how to govern. And then the campaign was just so scrappy. Had never worked on a campaign before. So mm-hmm. I, they, I just, I like to simplify things. So I was like, okay, what does it take to win? You have to knock on doors. You have to talk to people. Cool. So I just would take my volunteers and knock on every door in the neighborhood, not knowing that there's like lists of people who are like likely to vote. And those are the doors you knock on, not literally every single door. But in doing so, I learned, I got so much insight in terms of what people were feeling, what people were interested in, what people were, were motivated to, to, to want to see government do. And then I hired a real campaign manager and the campaign got a little bit more professional and I had to learn how to fundraise. And I mean, mm-hmm. it was only like $100,000 total to run for city council, but like my mom made 40,000. Like that felt like such a, I felt a like such number. a big number because like my mom makes 40,000. I have $5 literally in my checking account right now. Like won the primary, then won the general election in January 1st, 2013, 22 years old. I was a, a councilman representing 50,000 people in in the (laughs) south part of the city I grew up in. Hi, friends. It's Sharon. If you enjoyed a recent episode with author and public theologian Issa McCauley, then I have the perfect podcast recommendation for you. No Small Endeavor. Produced by Great Feeling Studios and PRX, No Small Endeavor is an acclaimed podcast series that explores what it means to live a good life. Each episode, host and award-winning theologian Lee C. Camp brings you thoughtful conversations with artists, philosophers, politicians, and theologians like Hollywood legend Rob Reiner and civil rights hero Reverend James Lawson about what it means to find true happiness and flourish in our everyday life. So don't miss out. Follow No Small Endeavor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And tell them I sent you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com 
for terms. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I love the story, too, about the time that you met Oprah at Stanford. It was so surreal. I announced in February I was running. In March, I got called into this luncheon with a special guest, and I have a tendency to be a little bit late. So my mentor, Jan Barker Alexander, she called me. She said, Michael, you can't be late for this one. And I was like, you're always late, too. Like, what do you mean? You're <laughs> trying like, to tell me not to yeah, be late. I was like, I was like you're going like, to be late. Like, she said, right. no, I'm sorry. She said, I promise you I won't. I was like, why? She said, it's with Oprah. And the funny thing is, I knew who Oprah is, but I was, but as a 21-year-old, it was like, okay, I know she's very wealthy. I know people love her. I had no idea her singular ability as a cultural influence. I had no idea the mm. world cared in About that her. way, mm-hmm. like what she did. So that's mm-hmm. so the context. I thought it'd be cool. Tell my mom, get mom. That's what I did to that school. Mm-hmm. I had lunch with Oprah. Like, you know, I thought that'd be cool and they would be really excited. And that's what my only expectation. So we get there. And she had two of her daughters from her leadership academy with her. And everybody was like trying to impress Oprah. My superpower, particularly when I was in college, was knowing that you can't impress impressive people with like anything more than who you are. Like there's nothing you could say that's going to make them think like, like she's Oprah Winfrey. Like she's not going to remember this because this is like a a blimp on her her day. So I'm going to spend time with these girls. Everybody was talking to Oprah, funny on Oprah, but the point of the meeting was to get these girls to learn about Stanford. So I'm talking to them and cracking jokes, answering questions. But I can see her they looking. Were from, they were from South, her South African yeah, leadership academy. From the South yes. African leadership okay. academy. But I can see her, she kept looking at me. So I thought, I was like, I hope she doesn't think I'm flirting with them. I hope she doesn't think I'm like trying to hit on these, like, these high schools. I'm just like, but she, I can see her just looking. And then we were doing introductions. And as I introduced myself, I thought, I don't want to mention I'm running for city council because I don't want her to be like, oh, he's just trying, he's here for these other reasons. I said, I'm not mm-hmm. going to mention that at all. So I was like, hey, I'm Michael Tubbs. I'm from Stockton, blah, blah, blah. I'm studying bar in South Africa. That's why I'm in this meeting. And then Jan stopped me and she was like, he's also running for city council. And then she looked and was like, who? And I was like, oh, me. And then she started grilling me. It was like a, not an Oprah interview, like a job interview. She was like, well, how big is Stockton? Why Stockton? Why are you going back? Who supports you? Who doesn't support you? I literally had just started my campaign and like Oprah Winfrey's like, I'm in. And, but then, I mean, she's Oprah Winfrey. So I don't, it's like we're talking every day. So I don't hear anything from her until one particularly rough day of door knocking. I was just so defeated because no one showed up. Like no one was there. It was like just me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, man, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. And then I go to the mailbox and there's like this check that says OWM. And I thought it was like a bill or something. I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah. OWM, like what is, like what? Collection agency, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. And then I opened the check and it was a $10,000 check from Oprah Winfrey. And the number 10,000 is huge, but was it was literally the exact amount I had told her I had raised. She was like, how much have you raised so far? I was like, $10,000. So like she wrote a $10,000 check that came like a month later at a time where it was so, and that was just such a 
when I'm getting emotional thinking about it because it was just a reminder, even while mayor and losing re-election, like even when things haven't been like perfect, I've never gone back to that moment where I'm questioning because that was just the ultimate answer. Like, you're fine. One of the other things that I noted about your story before we wrap up, when you were growing up, there were people who identified character qualities in you. And they said, this boy's a leader. He's smart. He's sassy. <laughs> and that those are great leadership skills. You have other, other things about you that the people in your life, like you're saying, your pastor would say, stand up. He identified things in you. And the idea that people then spoke those words over you continuously, like you were almost bathed in this idea that you are a leader. This is who you are. This is a character quality that you possess. It then just sort of soaked in, like seeped into your skin and you, it became part of your identity. And so that idea that we have the ability to do that for other people, that we have the ability to identify something positive about somebody else and to speak it over them so that they too can absorb that and, and take and embody that character quality in a way that maybe they would have felt too reticent to do on their own, had other people not encouraged them to do it. The impact that that has had on your life, like probably your, your mom and grandma and aunts, probably they didn't know that that was going to be the outcome of what they were doing, but now you can look back and see those breadcrumbs. And I think that's something that we can all take and say, this is what I want to do for my, my children. This is what I want to do for the children that I serve in a school. Mm. This is what I want to do from people that I work with. It doesn't have to just be a child, but. No, that is such a beautiful summary of that's going to be my new answer. When people ask what's the, what do you want people to take away from the book? Because that mm. literally what it like, despite all the societal forces, despite statistics, despite what, despite the present, like, people were always speaking about what could be. And I was, mm -hmm. when you're young, you believe what the adults and the authority yes. people in your life say. Mm -hmm. And and there's research, there's even research around that. Like when, when a leader or someone in authority prescribes something or says something, like people really internalize it. And I've been so blessed that despite some negative messaging, the most message I received was very positive about you're here for a reason, you're a leader, there's a plan for your life, you can change the world. And I was crazy enough to believe it. <laughs> Be like, oh, this is what it is. And, and, and I do think sort of for all the folks listening and watching this idea of your words have such power and, and you have no idea sort of the affirmations you give today, what they mean for someone's trajectory, for someone's life 100%. 30 years later, right? Yes. And I think that's what's so powerful. Yes. They, they did not know that Michael Tubbs would someday write a book <laughs> called The Deeper the Roots and that you'd be speaking on a podcast about that very issue. But yet you can see now the fruit that was planted when you were a child. They planted that fruit and that fruit has grown into something that they couldn't see, but I bet they're glad they planted. A hundred percent. Mm, this has been just a delightful to chat with you. It's always fun to meet a kindred spirit where you're like, and I was also very sassy. <laughs> I refer to myself as fifth grade Sharon. Fifth grade Sharon was real sassy and constantly got harped on by her teachers I think about fifth many grade, questions. 
fifth grade or no fifth grade and 10th grade were particularly yeah especially 10th grade because I was like a little bit older I was like just give me the homework I'll just I'll, I'll do it <laughs> this is not going to work just... today <laughs> I, I used to walk up like I think you have an attitude so how about you tell me what we're supposed to read and I'll see you tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> But see, that was smart, though. Yeah, that's the, make it easy for both of us. You clearly don't <laughs> want me here. I don't want to be here. It's fine. Yeah, this is a, this is the easy way out. Or we can <laughs> do, we can do it the hard way. But this is the easy way out for both of us. Michael, thank you so much for being here. This was just a delight. And your book again is called The Deeper the Roots, and I really enjoyed reading it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I hope to talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Sharon Says So podcast. I am truly grateful for you. And I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave me a rating or a review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All of those things help podcasters out so much. This podcast was written and researched by Sharon McMahon and Heather Jackson. It was produced by Heather Jackson, edited and mixed by our audio producer, Jenny Snyder, and hosted by me, Sharon McMahon. I'll see you next time.